Second Samuel chapter 23 and verse number 9. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defiled or defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines. Now I want you to get the picture. And the men of Israel had gone away. They had vacated the premises. They were no longer on the battlefield. But Eleazar remained. And the Bible said he arose and he smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Mention is made here of... <clears throat> a reference to David's mighty men. Three in particular, but if you go back and read uh, earlier portions of Samuel, you will find that there were actually more than just three. There were several, but three most notable. When we consider that phrase, mighty men, most of us feel um, perhaps eliminated from that particular category. Most of us would not view ourselves as being a mighty person, uh, a great person, a strong person. I think most of us view ourselves as just people who are trying to make it. Amen. Just trying to make it. And sometimes life is at such uh, that you, uh, you are called on to do things that you perhaps felt like in yourself you could not do them, but somehow miraculously you do. It's interesting that these men who are now noted as David comes to the close of his life and David is remembering and he is recounting the history of his reign and all that God had done through him and with him. He recalls particular events and one of them is the passage that we read from concerning a man by the name of Eleazar. Now when you go back to the beginning of those who gathered themselves to David, you will not find among that number anyone that would fit the description of 2 Samuel 23. Because the Bible said that those who came to him were outcast. They were broken people. They were rejected people. They were people who 
uh, had had a hard knock at life, and they found something in David, an identity with David that that uh, resonated with themselves, and they saw in David the same life that they were living, and that it was oftentimes a struggle and a battle. You had to face lions and bears and Goliaths show up every once in a while. And they gathered themselves to David because he was a man, it seems, of great courage and great confidence. And these men who came were just like us. They were ordinary, common people. They were people who were called outcasts. I don't know how else you can describe them, but they were unwanted by most people. They were not the people that were chosen. They were kind of like when you break up and start picking teams. They were the ones that were always the last to be chosen. And they were always chosen reluctantly. Anybody ever been there before? Uh, I've seen it happen over and over again. All of the best, the choice, the athletic, the good. We pick them first and then we leave everybody else to the last. And then we start bickering over who we don't want on our team. And so this group of men, these particular men were of that nature. They were in that category. They weren't the ones that you would jump up and quickly say, I want to identify with that person because of their skill and because of their ability. They were just broken people running for their lives, trying to make life work. And they found Someone in David that they could confide in and someone they could identify with. And so they gathered to him. And my, how they grew. Isn't it great when you connect with people and they help you grow? Amen. When you get out of that relationship or when you come to the end of that relationship, you're better than what you were when you started. Amen. If you're not hanging around people like that, you might want to start because that's a good place to turn a life around is hanging around people that make you better. Amen. Hanging around people that help you to rise above your background or who you are in your own spirit. You may be a scoundrel. You may be a low life. You may be a no good for nothing, no account. You may be everything that they say you may be an outcast you may be the rejects of the world but if you hang around the right people and you get connected to the right right people you're going to find yourself in a better place amen i've often said and i say it again this morning that it is interesting to note in a church when people gather together who people hang out with Amen. I've noticed that. People that hang out with certain people and hang around certain people. It's not long until you realize that the reason they hang out is because they have a commonality. They have a connection there. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not so good. 
their connection is not necessarily the good thing. And so the old saying goes, birds of a feather flock together. That is true. Amen. It is true. And I, one of the first lessons that I learned pastoring people, and I've tried to study people all my life, but one of the first lessons that I learned when I started pastoring was just watch who people hang out with, and you can tell what kind of person they're going to be. Amen. 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 And so these men who were outcast and no good, they were rejects they started hanging out with David and instead of David becoming like them David elevated them to a place in life where they now are viewed as mighty men of valor they are viewed as mighty men in David's army and they are honored and respected because they have grown out of that relationship be careful of any relationship in your life where you are constantly giving but you're never receiving if you're always forking it over but nothing's ever coming back your way you are in a relationship that is dangerous for your life you are in a relationship that is not going to take you up where you might want to go. You've got to stay connected to people that somehow, in some way, nurture in you and pull out of you those better things and those desires for higher things in your life. And somebody said, Amen. And so these common, ordinary criminals, so to speak, they were just... Uh, they, they were, they were the, the, the Passovers. They were the men who now are called mighty men of valor. It's interesting to see how all of that develops in life. But you become what you stay with all the time. And if you stay with criticism all the time. And you stay with negativism all the time. You're going to have a hard time maintaining a positive attitude or relationship in life. Amen. So if you're around people and that's all they do is talk about the bad and all they do is trash other people, you need to get smart enough to know I'm not going anywhere in this relationship. I'm not getting anywhere out of this and nothing's going to benefit my life from staying connected to this and get up and move your residence to a place where you can not only give, but you can receive. That is the real course of life. The giving and the receiving. The Bible said that there is always going to be seed time and harvest. There's going to be a planting. You're going to have to give, but there's also going to be a return that's going to come on your giving. It's not all about receiving. It's not all about it coming my way. But somewhere in life, you've got to have have something to sow yourself. And so when these men came to David, they didn't have anything to sow, but David sowed something into them. And it began to grow. And it began to, to bring forth fruit. And there was seed that came out of that. And then they in turn began to plant their seed. And so there was a giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. Until now they are the mighty 
men of Israel. They are David's top-notch officers. They're the ones that you want to go to. They're the ones when everybody else turns and runs, they're going to stay and fight. When everybody else gathers their goods and are ready to go home, when everybody else wants to quit, when everybody else wants to say it's over, we're defeated. Somebody like Eleazar is just going to stay behind and say, you know what? You may not consider it worth fighting for, but I do. Because this is not about me. This is about my people. This is about a cause that is higher than myself. This is not just about the Philistine. This is about God. It's about God's purpose in my life. It's about God's plan in my life. And so Eleazar stayed. You know, sometimes you just have to make up your mind that no matter what happens and no matter what anybody else does, I'm staying for the battle. Amen. I'm staying for the fight. Why? Because the fight is worth fighting. The battle is worth battling over. It's worth staying here. Giving up doesn't solve any problems. Becoming a negative down in the mouth sourpuss doesn't solve any problems. Somebody's got to step up to the plate and say, you know what? This is still about something more important than me. And it's more important than my little petty idiosyncrasies. This is about the cause of God. And this is about the house of God. And so I'm going to stay here for the battle. And so Eleazar stays. And he stays by himself. Everybody else backs away. And all he has is his sword and his arm and his will against the Philistine. But, but, but David had put something inside Eleazar. Evidently in their conversation and in their sharing with one another, David had passed something on to Eleazar. That there's going to be times, son, when you're going to be outmatched. There's going to be times when the odds are going to be stacked against you. There's going to be times when you're going to go into battle and it's going to look impossible. It's going to look like there is no way anything good is going to come out of this. But don't you be afraid of that. Don't you be afraid of what you see. You need to keep your eyes focused on the unseen because with you and what is with you is mightier than what is against you. And so David ground, he, he bore that into those men. Don't ever give up but what you see. Don't ever quit just because of what you're looking at at the moment. Don't ever turn and run just because the present moment seems impossible. Just remember that you serve a God who does the impossible. You serve a God who is the God of the impossible. So whatever your circumstances are, whatever your situation is, don't run. Amen. And so Eleazar evidently Armed with that knowledge, armed with the understanding that sometimes life just has more odds that are against you than, than the resources that appear to be for you. But I'm not running. I'm not leaving. I'm not backing away. I'm not quitting. I'm going to stand my ground because this belongs to us. And so with the odds stacked against him, and feeling like he was alone, which he was, he fought anyway. It's good when you can fight alone. Praise God.
It's good when you can have church alone if you have to. Some of us can't do that. Some of us need a big support group. We got to have a lot of people around us. We got matter of fact, if we don't have a lot of people making a lot of noise and clapping, it's hard for us to worship. But you better learn how to worship. You better learn how to get in touch with God when there ain't anybody around you. You better learn that in life, sometimes you're going to be left out there on the battlefield by yourself. And everybody's going to retreat and go home. But there's a fight that's worth fighting. And there's something worth going after. And Eleazar said, hey... I don't care what anybody else does. I have come here to stand my ground. Amen. And he had church all by himself. He shouted and ran the aisles and talked in tongues all by himself. Oh, yes. He had a shout down all by himself. Everybody else is running. Everybody else stayed home. Everybody else was doing something else. But Eleazar, oh no, not Eleazar. He said, this is something worth fighting for. And he said, I'm not giving ground. I am not backing up. We have defied the armies of the Philistines and we dare them to come and do something about it. I like men that aren't afraid to step up to the plate and say, you know what? This is... The battle is on. Amen. I'm not talking about us fighting one another. Please don't misunderstand me. You, I hope you're smart enough to know that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are the things that you're fighting in your spirit and the things that you're fighting in your family and the things that are trying to move in and take over in your life, things that are trying to cover up your mind and a thinking that's trying to get hold of you that will warp you and it will affect you the rest of your life. That's what you've got to fight against. That's what you've got to stand and say, you know what, I'm not giving in. I'm not going back. I'm not turning around. If I have to do it, by myself I'm going to stand here on the battleground I'm going to bear the sword but I'm not going back and I'm not giving up I'm going on hallelujah 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 everybody said oh brother huge you're fighting a losing battle well I want to tell you folks I have fought a lot of losing battles and won because I stayed. I fought a lot of battles that said, you'll never get past this one. You'll never whip this spirit. You'll never overcome this problem. But I'm living proof today that it can be done and you can do it. And many of you are proof that it can be done. Because the devil stared you down one day and said, I've got your number. I know what it takes to bring you down. And I've come, I've marshaled my army against you. And everybody else has abandoned you. Look at you out there. Pathetic little you. Nobody but little you. Listen to how you pray. Listen to how pathetic your worship is. Listen to how pathetic your prayers sound. Look at how weak your hand clap is. And he ridicules and mocks and makes fun. But somebody here this morning is a living witness and a testimony that no matter what the odds say and no matter what appearance says, no matter what others say, no matter what others think, I am living proof 
that there are some battles that you can stand and fight. There are battles that you can win and battles that you can get the victory over if you'll just stay. Amen. Just stay. Praise God. There's a lot of quitters in our world today. A lot of quitters. I tell you what, more than that, we got a lot of whiners in our world. We got a lot of whiners in the church sometimes, too. Yeah. We're not going to quit. We're just going to let everybody know how miserable we are the rest of our life. Yeah. Yeah, just whining, 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 whining. Sometimes I want to get my fiddle out. Amen. You know what? Whining's not going to solve my problems. Whining's not going to fix what I'm going through. But Eleazar elected to fight. He said, I value what all of this represents. And he said, I'm not willing to give it up. And so intense was the fight. So intense was his effort that when he came to the end of the day, the Bible said that his hand was weak, but his hand clave to the sword. They couldn't even pry his fingers away from it. He had gotten such a grip on it. And laying before him were a defeated host, all because a man decided this is worth fighting for. This is the sign of the determined soul. The sign of the man or the woman that said, I will not quit. The fight I cannot lose. I cannot let this slip by me. I, I can't let this go on. I, I can't allow this Philistine to continue to torment my life. I can't allow this spirit to continue to harass my life. I've got to win the victory over this. I've got to win the victory. Do you ever feel... That way in your spiritual life that you've just got to win a victory over something. Do you, do you ever get to the place in your life where you get tired of, of, of that Philistine? You, you get tired of that one that just keeps rising up. Every time you turn around, it's the same spirit. Every time you turn around, it's the same thing. You ever get tired of that? You ever get to the place where you just say, you know what? I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of battling this same thing over and over and over and over again. I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care if they run for their life. I'm staying because I want a victory. I want a victory over this Philistine. I want a victory over this spirit. I want a victory over the spirit that that Philistine represents. Amen. If you go back and study the land of Canaan that Israel went into. There are several names. They are all from the same lineage, but there are several names of various tribes of people. The Hittites, the Perizzites, the Amorites, all the ites are there. And there's several of them. And if you go study in the, in the Hebrew language what the name of that tribe represent. It represented a spiritual problem of some kind. 
And Israel had to drive those people out of their promised land. They had to drive out spirits of oppression. They had to drive out spirits of fear and intimidation. They had to drive out spirits of discouragement. They had to drive out these people that were living in a land that God had said is yours. This is the promise that I made to Abraham. And now it's your time to occupy it. And you're going to have to deal with some spiritual issues in this promised land. Discouragement and despondency and fear and anxiety and worry and intimidation. All of those are represented by those people that housed and lived in that land. And Israel had to drive them out. And the Philistines, when you say Philistine, you're talking about a whole canopy of problem that represent a whole... Uh, a whole array of spiritual issues that people battled. And they were there. They were constant, always showing back up for Israel. But David had men that said, you know what? If it's depression, I'm going to stay here until I whip this thing. If it's fear, I'm going to stay here until I whip this thing. If it's depression, I'm going to stay here on the battlefield until I whip this enemy. I am not going to be prey to his spirit any longer. Amen. And so he took the sword and he began to fight. He fought because he valued what he was fighting for. Do you value what you have this morning? He fought because what he had was so important that he couldn't lose one thing, not one thing. I'm tired. I don't want to lose another night to this spirit. I don't want to lose another day to that attitude. I don't want to lose another moment to those feelings. I don't want to lose another week to that kind of mentality. I want to, I'm going to bring that thing down. And Eleazar stood in the face of an enemy that was intimidating and mocked him. But he stood with his sword because he said, I'm tired. I'm tired of having to struggle with that same thing over and over again. And he wrought a victory. God wrought through him a great victory. His hand clave to the, to the sword. He fought with everything that he had. How long has it been since some of you have really fought your spiritual battles with everything you have? Most of us, and I'm not griping and complaining this morning, I'm just preaching, but most of us, we come to church and we get real comfortable and we wait for the preacher or the singer or somebody to do it. How long has it been? Since you were so you were so sick and tired of being sick and tired that you said today is the day. This battle's over. This battle's over today. I don't care if I have to stay here all afternoon. How long has it been since anybody really stayed at a church all afternoon? I remember times like I remember when people came to an altar and they prayed until. We're chomping at the bits 
looking at the clock, waiting for the time to come where you can dismiss. It's already 1120, Brother Hughes. My stomach's growling. How long has it been since we have been desperate enough in our spirit to win a victory over a besetting problem in our life that we don't care how long it takes, we don't care what it takes, we don't care how much we have to give, we don't care how much energy it takes, we don't care how much fight it takes, we're there, we're going to stay with it until we win that battle. How long has it been for some of you men sitting here when you got desperate enough before God and you said, you know what, I've battled this thing long enough. I've battled this lust in my spirit. I've battled these attitudes in my life long enough. And I'm going to fight with everything I've got until this thing is settled. I'm not leaving here today without there being some kind of settlement. That's what Eleazar did. He just stepped into the field. And he drew his sword and he just started fighting. Hours, I don't know how long it was. I do know this, that after a while, battle fatigue started setting in. I mean, when you've knocked down enough Philistines, your arm gets weary. I don't care how strong you are. Charles Atlas, Brutus, I don't care who you think you are. Popeye. Eat all the spinach you want. You're still not going to be able to keep it up all day without fatigue. And there he is battling. Another one sticks its head up and another one sticks its head up and another one. And he just, he gets, he just keeps going until he gets all of them. What would happen if we just stayed in the battlefield till we got all of them? Till we got all of it. Don't leave one to crawl away and rehatch itself. Don't leave one to crawl away and make itself available again. Just take them all down. All those spirits that attack and assault your spiritual life and come against you and stop you from doing the will of God. Why don't you just bring them all down? Well, the way to do that, you've got to stay there until you do. There is no magic formula. As pure as this oil is, it's not pure enough to do that. As some people think, Brother Hughes, just anoint me with oil. Well, that's great, but the Bible said anointing with oil and the prayer of faith. Somebody's got to have some faith to go with that oil. And then you're just going to have a wet spot on your forehead. That's right. We come in here thinking that God's got, God owes this to me. God, you've got to get me out of this. Bear the sword. And he stayed there. I want to ask somebody something. And folks, this is not what I came in here to preach this morning, so I'm just following the Lord right now. But who, who am I talking to this morning that's been wrestling with some spiritual things in your life? And you slap at them every once in a while. And then you go on, and next thing you know, they're there again. Why don't you just stay in the field until they're all taken care of. Stay in the field until that whole band is wiped out. Stay there long enough that when you walk out, whether you're weary or not, you know it's settled. It's settled. It's settled. 
I may fight some other Philistines, but I'm never going to fight those Philistines. I may fight some other spirits in my life, but I'm not going to fight those spirits because I settled it today. Eleazar was just a man like you and I, just a woman like you ladies. No, no special qualities, but he connected himself to the right person. He got in the right atmosphere, and he learned enough from that person to grow to become a better person. And then his time came. It's time for you to start using that sword and end it. End some things today. Let's stand together.